Hi, how are you? You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When your baby first starts eating solids, you're probably not thinking much about fussy eaters. You're just trying to work out which foods should be introduced first and then marvelling over their reaction to different tastes and sensations. But once children get the hang of that chewing thing, some can become fussy eaters. And that, speaking as a parent of a fussy eater, is a whole other ball game. So is there any way when you're first introducing solids that you can avoid having a fussy eater? Dr. Jennifer Cohen is a paediatric dietitian who masquerades as the superhero known as the fussy eating doctor. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Can fussy eating be avoided or is it something children will go through because it's developmentally appropriate? I think there's two ways of looking at this. So it is definitely developmentally appropriate. So we say that about 50% of kids will become fussy at some stage in their life. And this fussiness will probably start around anywhere from 10 to 12 months of age, anywhere up to 18 months, two years. And for most kids, it's around that 18 months mark that they start getting fussy. And the reason for the fussy eating is there's a couple of things going on. One is their growth slows right down, which means they just don't need as much food as they used to because they're not as hungry, they're not growing as much. But also the mental development is stunning. Think about 18 months is when they're learning, well, a lot of them have learned to walk, but they're learning to talk and understand their surrounds. And the theory is that their body's sensory system shuts down around that time because it's the brain is needing to, I guess, learn how to do things like talking. And when the sensory system shuts down, it means things like food doesn't taste as good. So you've got food not tasting good because the body's like we're doing other things and we're not growing as much at that time. And so they're just not hungry and not that interested in food. And that's, and then combined with that, strong personalities coming out. <laughs> yes. And you have a recipe for fussy eating. So up to 50% of kids will become fussy. So it's not that you can avoid that phase. What we're trying to do is avoid that fussy eating getting worse. And that's a lot of some of the things that we can do around that is not letting it get worse. So would you say then that in order to avoid uh, that becoming a long-term fussy eater, that the time to be paying attention is around that 18-month mark? Or can you actually start trying to introduce different tastes at an early age? So definitely what happens in that first six to 12 months will actually determine what happens down the track. So if you have a child who eats really well up until the 18 months of age and they take lots of good textures, lots of good flavours, and then they start becoming 18, fussy at 18 months, that's one kind of fussy eating. But then you've got kids between six and 12 months who can become fussy really early on. And there are things you can do to avoid that happening. So the first thing is exactly like you said, is the first six to 12 months, I always say it's less about nutrition. I know I'm a nutritionist, but it's actually <laughs> less about nutrition and more about them getting used to new foods. So what we're doing is teaching them all about different flavors. So it's actually important in those first six months to introduce food with flavor, not this bland kind of food, lots of you know herbs, lots of spices, lots of different varieties of foods because you want them being exposed to it before they go, oh, wait, what's this? I don't like this anymore. You want to teach them early. So that's one of the things you can do. 
And the second thing, which I think is the most important thing about introducing solids, and you mentioned this before, is all about the textures. Learning to chew and swallow is actually not something, it's actually a learnt skill. We actually have to learn it like walking and talking. And the way a child learns how to chew and swallow is by doing it. And I think what happens is a lot of kids get started on puree, and that's fine. You can start kids on puree. But then what happens over time, the textures don't get introduced. And if you don't introduce foods with textures and you don't introduce things like finger foods, a child is not going to learn how to chew and swallow. If they don't learn those skills, then what happens is the fussy eating gets worse because at 12 months when they're still having puree, the parents are like, oh, no, what's happening? Wait, we need to give them finger food. And what happens is the child starts spitting out the food, not necessarily because they don't like the food, because they don't know how to chew and swallow. So, And what? how old do they have to... Well, what's the best age to start introducing those finger foods? I actually say introducing it when they can sit up properly and have good posture. So really anywhere from six months, you can start introducing those finger foods. Now, there is two ways of introducing solids. People talk about baby-led weaning. And baby-led weaning is when you only introduce finger food. And then there's a more traditional method, which is where you go from puree, introduce more texture and then go on. And for me, I was actually more of some, a parent who did both. So I did some puree, but I always had finger foods on the tray. And at the first, in the early days, my kids would look at me going, what is that finger food? But what it did over time, they'd slowly start picking it up. It's great for developmental skills. And then they slowly start eating and chewing it. And that really helps them with the chewing and the swallowing. So really, you can start finger foods anywhere from six months of age, long as they've got like obviously sitting up well, But it's okay if they don't want to take it, but introducing those textured foods and those finger foods every day is going to help those chewing and swallowing develop and those skills to develop. Are there any whole foods that you should avoid um, because of their texture being too hard or they might choke or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's actually a very good question. So something like carrot in those early days, what you would do is you softly steam it. So you don't want it too steamed so then it falls apart in their hand. But again, steaming it a bit is just going to help them. They can still chew it a little bit, but then they won't necessarily choke on the, the, the bits. But again, what you're working up, we're saying by 12 months, a child should, should have the skills to be able to chew and swallow a food. So over time, you just make those foods a little bit less soft over time. Something like a cucumber with the seeds in there, they can just kind of suck on it. And remember, in the early days, it's not about nutrition. So that doesn't matter if they don't get any of the carrot in or get spat out or they just suck off the seeds of a cucumber. That's okay. It's about learning that development. And so, do you want to make sure that if that, that's all that's being done, that you are kind of sneakily putting in some puree afterwards <laughs> if, they've, if they've eaten nothing? Um, and that, I, I guess that's where – so if you are someone who wants to do only baby-led weaning, which is only where it's finger food – the theory about that is, is that you're trusting your child and that they're eating with what they want. So the thing is, if they don't want to eat that much, that's okay. And that's a really hard thing for parents. But if you think about in the early days, the six, seven, eight months of age, the majority of their nutrition is still coming from breast milk or breast milk substitutes like formula. So again, it's okay if they're not eating as much. But I guess for me, I was, I'm was i a bit more of a proponent of both, so doing both at the same time. And for me, the puree wasn't about sneaking in because I actually let them do it themselves. It was about kind of doing a combination of both. So they get a little bit of puree, or except I push the textures quite quickly. But a lot of that kind of easier to chew food in combination with the 
finger food, but never about that kind of quickly getting in when they don't know. You want that to be part of the process so they see it. And if they don't eat either, that's okay. And I think that's the hardest bit for that's a parent. so tricky because I remember <laughs> yeah. you would – It's it is such a crazy delight to see your child eat. It, it's yeah. just this weird satisfaction, yeah. something like, yes, we will survive as a race because yes. you are eating. Um, and I know that I would have been like, okay, spoon in mouth, spoon in mouth. Oh, you're still eating. Okay, yeah. keep going. And and that's a problem too. I would you Would your best advice be to do as you did, which was – um, if you're not fussy about having both, have a combination of both, but leave it to the child to choose how much they'll eat. So definitely. You can still help spoon feed with the child, so you can still give them some. But what you got to do is if they turn their head away, so look at their cues. If they turn their head away and you think, oh, they haven't eaten enough, that's okay. They're telling you that they've eaten enough. And what you're trying to do in those early days is let them trust their appetite, but it is really hard to do it. And I guess it was easier for me to do because as an expert in this, I was, I'm like, it's okay. They've got good nutrition. I know they're still getting, you know, a breast milk substitute. And I was more about teaching them the habits rather than getting the nutrition in. So it's a bit of a mindset, but it is hard for most parents because they're like, it's about getting the food in, making sure they're putting on weight. And it's important to look at the cues from your baby. So if they put turn their head away, like if you're spoon feeding them and they turn their head away, you just leave it and you don't do the whole one more spoon, one more spoon. Because again, what you're doing is you're, it could be you're overriding their hunger cues, which can set you up for problems down the line as well. Now, just to go back to one thing I thought when you were talking about um, the finger foods yeah. and the learning how to chew, some babies don't get their teeth until quite late. Some don't even get them until they're one year of age, mm. does it matter when it comes to chewing? Should you hold off on giving them those whole foods if they literally have no teeth? Uh, the short answer is no. You actually don't need the teeth to chew. Um, so, of course, they might not be able to eat a carrot, you know, a hard <laughs> carrot, but don't look at how many teeth a child has as a sign of what they can manage because it's amazing what they can manage when they've got no teeth. So it's not a teeth. Obviously, they're not going to be able to eat a whole bit of steak but a lot of those who do baby led weaning they talk about their child being able to eat like a, a, a like a lamb cutlet you know on a stick expensive way of doing it but you know a <laughs> lamb cutlet on a stick even with no teeth so don't look at teeth as a sign that they're ready for those more hard foods babies and kids will learn how to manage that and I think actually on that point if you find that your child for some reason is just not managing it you know you're getting to sort of eight, nine months of age or even 10 months of age and you've been giving finger foods religiously from day one and they just doesn't seem right. They're just not doing anything with the food or they're spitting it out. This is where we need to actually do early intervention. So your early question was, can we prevent fussy eating? You know, the long answer is no, we can't. But we want to those kids who are more likely to have issues, so those who don't naturally learn how to chew and swallow properly, we want to send them off to someone like a speech pathologist who specialises in feeding, not speech, and they can actually look at the chewing and swallowing and give the parents exercises for their child. So a bit like if your child was delayed in talking 
or delayed in walking, you would go see someone to find exercises to help them. And chewing is no exception. And I think it's one of the most important skills babies can learn between six and 12 months. And if you've seen they're just not getting it, go and see a speech pathologist and they can just even reassure you that everything is fine or give you exercises to help strengthen those skills. We'll be back with Jen on Feed Play Love right after this. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club. Come on, we've all been there. We've all pushed oh. our children's poo <laughs> down, down the, the drain <laughs> of the shower or bath. One that only other parents and carers can truly understand. The Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children, with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned um, with the chewing that it's about creating good habits for your kids in terms of eating. How important are good habit, habits when it comes to fussy eating? You've mentioned chewing well. Yeah. Does good habits include where you eat tea and how you eat dinner as a family and all those kinds of things? Do they actually have an impact on how a child will respond to food? Oh, yeah. Great question and very much so. One of the biggest drivers we know from research of kids' food variety, yes, it's what is introduced in the first six months, but another one is that family meals and being exposed to different foods, but also having family members almost showing kids good eating habits. So babies learn. It's amazing what they pick up, even though we think they're not paying attention. They pick up a lot of stuff. So watching other family members at a table when they're having dinner eating different types of foods actually sets them up for good eating habits down the track because they're being exposed to different foods and different eating habits. And we do know that that exposure from other family members, and there's actually been some research showing that dads play a huge role in this. It's not just about mums, but dads. So having sitting down at a dinner table, parents, whoever's around, eating next to the child and showing them good eating habits, so eating you know, a wide range of nutritious foods, actually can set up a child for having better eating habits down the, down the track. So it is very, very important around that. And along with that is setting up routines like not having distractions at the dinner table as well. So not having toys on the, um, you know, the high chair and not having the TV on or the iPad in front of them. All of those, if you avoid all of that, it's all going to help set up good eating habits. Because I, I do remember at one point <laughs> putting my daughter in front of the TV and going, oh, my God, she's eating what I'm giving her. Mm. And then I went, oh, no, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I didn't do it for too long. <laughs> I know it's hard because it always works at first. Um, and that's, I think, where the problem lies. It always works. But if you had actually kept going, what you would have found is you would have needed more and more distractions to get her eating. And then what happens is it, it could have been that she would only ever need like 25 distractions to eat. So again, <laughs> it's remember all of these things will work in the short term. But I always say to parents about introducing solids and all to do with feeding, you're looking at the long game, not the short game. Yes, you can get an extra spoonful of food in at that point in time, but it's not necessarily setting up good habits down the track as you have discovered. discovered. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, just talk to me about fussy eating. <laughs> Um, when the child is a bit older, when they are verbal and they can speak, is there a better way to respond to fussy eating? We, I was just chatting with some friends before and we were talking about when we were fussy, our parents would say, think of the kids in Africa. You know, that was a big thing in the 80s. It yep. was like, you just, you know, you 
eat everything and you were taught to eat everything on your yeah. plate. I'm assuming that we have moved on from that pla- that place. What's the best way to respond to food refusal when your child can actually have a conversation with you? Um, so number one is stay calm, which is always <laughs> easier said than done. And even I get frustrated. My favourite thing for my kids to do at the moment when I pick them up from school is say, what's for dinner? And I tell them they say, yuck. So I have a, there's a great expression from a dietitian called Kate who has a business called Foos. And she says, don't be rude to your food. So for my older kids, that's what I say. If they say yuck, I say, don't be rude to your food. But I think... <laughs> The main thing we used to do when they were younger is that they never had to eat anything they didn't want to. And that was probably one of the most important things. If they said yuck, besides me saying don't be rude to your food, (laughs) I'd always say you don't have to eat anything you don't want to and that's okay. And obviously if you're serving a completely new meal that your child has never eaten before and they don't want to eat it, you know, you're setting yourself up for kind of, um, not failure, but it's going to be harder. I always used to serve new foods with at least a couple of foods that I knew that they liked. And so it's using a combination of both. And then if they refuse to even eat the foods that they liked, I'd be like, that's okay. You don't have to eat it. Um, and that was it. Like I never really made a big deal about it. I always just said, you don't have to eat anything you don't want to. But then you didn't cook them another meal, did no, you? No, I didn't. <laughs> No. There, there lies my mistake. Yeah. I know. No, um, no, I didn't. But again, it's easier for me to say it because I am I felt I never had that stress that my kids were like, you know, not getting enough nutrition, but that's because of my background. You know, that's what I know. So it was easy for me to feel calm and going, ah, oh, they're not going to starve if they don't eat. And you know what? They're not. Well, Did that's they... actually not true. But for the kids who've started off eating well and then got fussy, they – you know, one meal of not eating is not going to be a problem. But didn't they then spend the whole night whinging at you that they were hungry? No, but again, I know I feel bad <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not, it, it sounds bad, but I think it was because we, you know, again, this is what I did, this is what I do for a living, but we set up those habits from the beginning. So we've never done the, if you eat this, you'll get dessert. We don't really even call it dessert. You know, now and again, my kids still get lollies, you know, now and again, they can have something after dinner, but it was never about what they'd eaten at dinner. So it was never, if you eat this, you get this. And I never said, you have to eat this. You know, as they get older, I'm like, can you have a bite? But, you know, it was never about, you know, forcing them to eat or pushing them to eat. And I think it was just because I was so consistent over time. And if you've ever read any of my blog posts, my youngest was fussy. Like by even by 10 months, he was a bit of a painful child. And at the moment, he is really painful with eating. I think his growth is just way down at the moment. He's hardly eating anything. But he knows that that's what he gets. And he never even asked me afterwards. Sometimes he asks for lollies and we're like, nah. But, yeah. but it wasn't about... The meal, it was just like, you don't have to eat it. I've always got something, at least one food on the plate that I know that they'll eat. And he chooses whether to eat or not. And then I just left it at that. But it's a long, long process that I set up when they were six months of age. And mm, that's a good thing to know if you've got a little baby now. Yes. That you put it in. Yep. You have a choice, people. This is choose your own adventure. You can choose to do it the way that Jen has done it and have children who don't whinge at you, or you can choose to do it the way I did it, which means that one child will get chicken noodle, chicken noodles from for dinner, and I'll be there with a bowl of broccoli going, you have to eat these. If you're going to eat that, you have to eat these. And, oh, hindsight is a good thing, It's isn't a it? great thing, it's but great. Th- this is our gift to those who have babies. Yes, here is how you can avoid the problems. 
definitely can. But I just want to say it is easier said than done. And I'm. It's a long game, though, right? It's a long game. You need to say that it's a long game. And yes, there are kids out there who have had issues from the beginning. And you know, I want to just quickly go back to that. Is that if you've got kids who are having issues with chewing, or they've got lots of vomiting, or they're really sensitive to smells, there's lots of other reasons for fussy eating, which we not going into now. But again, it's if you're a bit worried, don't listen to everyone who says, oh, they'll grow out of it. If you're a bit worried, go and see someone about it. So if you're worried about their chewing, see a speech pathologist. If you're worried that they've got uh, sensory issues, so they're you know, really reacting to strong smells or flavours, then you can see someone like a paediatric uh, occupational therapist. I guess the other advice is not all kids will grow out of it, but it's also about early intervention as well. Setting up good habits. Yes. As well. Very important. Jen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Jennifer Cohen, paediatric dietitian, also known as the Fussy Eating Doctor. And she has lots more information on her website, which we'll put a link to on ours. Just head to babyology.com.au forward slash feedplaylove. In the next episode of Feed, Play, Love, we'll be back with Helpline and our resident mothercraft expert, Chris Minogue, answering all your parenting questions. And we're emotionally attached to them. So it's all, you know, surely if I give you a cuddle, you'll go to sleep. But actually she goes, no, now I've got a list. Now you have to give me the cuddle and you have to sit there and I need to sing to you and maybe we'll go and listen to the Wiggles. (laughs) So what we're doing is just giving her that initial comfort and then giving her short periods of time. But it'll take a little bit of time. It it won't be an immediate thing. Yeah. But I think in time it will be a better sleeping pattern. If you want to ask Chris your questions, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed Play Love is produced by Elise Cooper, written and hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt.